Start your morning with the CNN Daily News Briefing. In just three minutes, we'll tell you about the stories that are making headlines around the world. To listen, tell your smart speaker to play the CNN Daily News Briefing or find us in your favorite podcast app. As the House was voting on the rules for the upcoming public impeachment proceedings, outgoing White House advisor Tim Morrison was testifying behind closed doors. As Jim Acosta uh, uh, reported, the White House is viewing it as a win for the day and that he told lawmakers he did not see anything illegal in the president's July 25th call with his Ukrainian counterpart. He also corroborated the elements of a quid pro quo, which, not surprisingly, the White House is not talking about. In his opening statement, which CNN has just obtained, Morrison says he was concerned about three things. First, quote, how it would play out in Washington's polarized environment. Second, how a leak would affect the bipartisan support our Ukrainian partners currently experience in Congress. And third, how it would affect the Ukrainian perceptions of the U.S.-Ukraine relationship. I want to be clear, he said, I was not concerned that anything illegal was discussed. So there's that. At the same time, as we mentioned, he did apparently corroborate the key facts that diplomat William Taylor laid out in his testimony, namely that congressionally approved military aid would not flow to Ukraine until the government there committed to investigating Burisma, the, uh, the company where Hunter Biden once served on the board. Morrison differs slightly in saying that the deal, as he understood it, only required Ukraine's prosecutor general to announce the probe uh, and not President Zelensky. He also took minor issue on where a meeting he had with Ukraine's national security advisor took place. Ambassador Taylor said hotel room. Morrison said a hotel business center. With that, we're joined by New York Democratic Congressman Sean Patrick Maloney, member of the House Intelligence Committee. Um, so the White House is saying that they see Morrison's testimony as helpful to their case. Was it? You know, without commenting on the specifics, you know, I can't. Um, that sounds a lot like whistling past the graveyard to me. Um, I, I think, you know... I have no reason to dispute the the reporting you just did, the statement that's been released, and it says, lays it out pretty pretty clearly that that he confirms Ambassador Taylor's version of the events. That's extremely damning for the president. But if Morrison didn't think there was anything wrong with the call legally, that his only concern was sort of how it would play out in a polarized environment. Isn't that good news for the White House? No, I think that's code for I knew something was really wrong, and I don't want to say it. Uh, would be my interpretation of that. But I think the reason we're moving this to a public uh, forum is because we're going to lay all this out for for folks to see and they can make their own judgments. I think what I give uh, what I give Mr. Morrison credit for is responding to a lawful subpoena coming in, uh, testifying under oath and and together with the other evidence we've gathered in just a very short period of time, I think um, you will see that uh, you'll you'll get a very clear picture of what happened. Would you want Morrison to come back and testify publicly? You know, that's up to the chairman. Uh, I'm not sure uh, I would view that as necessary. I think there are other witnesses that would be more important. Um, but I think the, 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 the way you judge that is, will the public get all the facts they need to understand what happened? Because obviously Republicans hearing that would say, well, look, uh, you know, you, uh, you probably want Taylor to testify. You probably want Vindman to testify. Uh, but why not call back Morrison if... He's corroborating things. Uh, it sounds like if you don't want him back at that, maybe he doesn't tell the story that you're hoping. he. he yeah, does. no, that's not that wasn't my point. My point is, I think we're going to be under some pressure to tell a crisp story um, and to and to really uh, make that compelling. I, I and, do, and do you not, think public testimony is critical. What I can tell you is I think the Republicans uh, interpretation of that is not going to hold up. That's not going to wear very well. Look, these guys come out every day. They say something that blows up 24 hours later. Uh, when Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan say things like that, um, I would take it with a grain of salt. I do not view this witness 
as uh, without getting into the testimony as helpful to the president. I view it as uh, another significant piece of the puzzle that will paint a overall picture that will will demonstrate clearly an abuse of power that is that is extremely damning to the president. Um, CNN is reporting, and I can't confirm stuff, but CNN is reporting that at various times, say, Morrison's attorney instructed his client not to answer questions about his interactions with the president. Can you say if there were specific uh, questions that, that the committee had for Morrison that, that remain unanswered, or were you satisfied overall with what you heard in terms of its totality? I'm satisfied overall that I understand the role that Mr. Morrison played in this. I understand um, where he's coming from. Uh, he was helpful in filling in some gaps. But but the big picture is the big picture. Um, I, I think you will find that on the core set of events, there's not going to be a big dispute about what happened here. I think there'll be an interpretation of how much you care about it, uh, and people can differ on that. But I don't think the core facts are going to be in dispute. For me, uh, it paints a pretty serious abuse of power and one that for which the president needs to be accountable. The uh, the timeline, you know, we're, a lot of Democrats are saying uh, or uh, floating this idea that they want this done by the new year. They don't want to go in, into the, to the election year that is going to suck up all the oxygen. Uh, it's going to occupy the time of senators who are on, on the campaign trail. Um, that comes at the expense. If that is true, that comes at the expense of potentially getting other witnesses that might involve a court battle. Rudy Giuliani, obviously, foremost comes to mind. Are you okay with that kind of a timeline? Right. Well, I'm okay with the the chairman's judgment on that. And I think what you're going to see is that the the yardstick is going to be, are we getting the core facts to the American public? If you can do that with the witnesses you got, then you do that. I think that that there is a diminishing curve there of return when you when you start engaging in litigation to chase down uh, maybe minor details or additional information when you've got the core facts. Remember, this may be a case where the most important evidence came out first, where the call memorandum, the whistleblower complaint, which, as far as I can tell, has been confirmed in every respect by independent evidence. Um, and the, the, the White House admissions, the chief of staff, the president, the text messages. I mean, there is a mountain of evidence that paints a clear picture of presidential abuse of authority. So I don't know that it would be worth the time to spend months and months chasing down all the details. Do you see this as being one charge? Obviously, we're not you're not there yet. But do you see this as being one charge or you know, there's people talking about going for uh, including obstruction of justice from the Mueller report for me personally. And it's above my pay grade. But for me personally, I think we should keep it narrowly focused on the strongest evidence uh, of presidential abuse of power. Uh, if you look at the historic uh, practice, it tends to be pretty high level. The articles of impeachment. Uh, I think that's the precedent we should follow. And I think we should we should explain in 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 detail to the American public why we think this extraordinary step is necessary. It's right to have a high bar for this 13 months before an election. Uh, For me, it's been satisfied because the president's conduct is inexcusable and it cannot be tolerated. We have to take a stand and hold him accountable. Congressman Maloney, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, Coming up, more breaking news on today's testimony by Tim Morrison and where our legal team believes it could lead. Good evening. For only the fourth time in this country's history, impeachment proceedings against an American president are underway. Just three other presidents have faced this formally out in the open, Andrew Johnson, Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton. Today, Donald J. Trump joined that list. But whatever you may believe about this president, wherever you stand politically, however you view the evidence so far, there is no overstating the significance of the moment itself. That's because those two buildings you see there, which have seen and made and embody so much history between them, are about to make more. 
What happened today in one chamber of the bigger of the two has set the stage for so much yet to come. Tonight, we will, of course, bring you reporting on the testimony today of a former senior White House official who, despite saying he did not believe what he saw was illegal, did not dispute the problematic facts so far, adding to the picture of a president using the power of his office to extract personal political assistance from a foreign government. We'll also bring you the latest on two court hearings, which could decide when or even whether certain other key witnesses will testify. And because this is now primarily a political battle, we'll speak to the president's former chief strategist, who remains a very vocal supporter, Steve Bannon. We begin, though, with this remarkable historic moment. On this vote, the yeas are 232, the nays are 196. The resolution is adopted without objection. The motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. Well, joining us for that, three people who know a lot because they've seen a lot, CNN senior political commentator David Axelrod, host of The Axe Files and former senior advisor to President Obama, CNN chief political analyst Gloria Borger, and David Gergen, who in addition to being a CNN senior political analyst has also served Republican and Democratic presidents, Bill Clinton, Ronald Reagan, Gerald Ford, and Richard Nixon. David Gergen, uh, the significance of this moment, uh, what do you, I mean, at the end of this historic day, what do you make of it? I think there's bad news here, but some good news as well. The bad news is how much more partisan the impeachment process has become. When Republican Richard Nixon was in the White House, over 180 members of his own party voted to open impeachment proceedings in his own party, over 180. Uh, When Bill Clinton, the Democrat, was in the White House, 31 members of his own party bolted and voted to begin the impeachment proceedings. Today, Republican uh, Trump is in the White House. Zero members of his party uh, broke. I think that's a really interesting and important distinction. One more thing and or two more quick things. Uh, One is the other thing is that the weaponization of impeachment proceedings that is, is, has gone so far in our country. The founders didn't want to do this very often. And the first 36 presidents of our country, only one, only one Andrew Johnson faced serious uh, impeachment proceedings. Of our, of our nine presidents since, three, one out of three has faced serious impeachment proceedings. That's a really a change in our politics. The good news is, I think, it, as you back away from this and look at it from a long way away, it is also true, the good news is, that checks and balances still work in our system. No president is above the law. Presidents who do things that are right on the boundaries or violate things are going to get investigated, and they may have impeachment proceedings against them. David Ashraw, did it surprise you at all? I, I don't imagine that it did, that uh, no Republicans broke, broke ranks on this. No, it didn't. Look, I think this is the Republic. There, there are two elements to the Republican strategy here because they're not really able to argue the substance very effectively. Uh, the facts are pretty damning, starting with the transcript or the the, the uh, memo of a transcript that we've we've seen. So the first uh, tactic is to partisanize this to the nth degree. We're a very polarized country. They want to make this a test of partisan loyalty. And that's very important to keep their people uh, on board. So I wasn't surprised about that. I think later you're going to hear the argument, particularly if it gets to the Senate, as appears likely uh, that we're in an election year now. Let the people decide. Uh, let's put the, this case before them. Uh, so they're going to argue process. They're going to ar- they're going to try and polarize and they're going to argue timing. Uh, but we haven't heard a whole lot of arguments about substance just yet. 
though the president says that's what he wants the argument to be from, uh, and, and Kevin McCarthy said that they will start doing that. Uh, Gloria, how important is it going to be for, for Democrats to, to get some Republican support as impeachment proceedings play out? I mean, if this just continues along partisan lines, um, you know, whether, you know, obviously some people will believe it, some people won't, but it certainly, uh, it, it doesn't, look good for Democrats if it's all just, again, along partisan lines. Right. It doesn't. I think they know that. Um, you've already stated the history. About 31 Democrats in the in the Clinton years voted to open an impeachment inquiry. The president said, I want all my Republicans to stick together. And uh, they decided they would stick together. Not only is this entrenched partisanship, as we've been talking about, but these are members of Congress in the House who are afraid of this president. They're afraid that he will support primary challengers. And remember, there aren't a lot of moderate Republicans left in the House now because those seats were taken by Democrats. And in fact, what the White House is now arguing today is that uh, is that the Democrats were the ones who defected because there were two Democrats who said, you know, uh, we don't want to go along with this inquiry at this point. And, you know, at some point, Anderson, they're going to have to start talking about what was in these hearings. They're going to have public hearings. We're going to see transcripts. And then what they're banking on, I think, is that public opinion may start to shift once they see people testify. And the Democrats, I think, are taking a risk, obviously, because now they have decided that they're unafraid of being the pro-impeachment party mm. of Donald Trump. And I yeah. think that's a risk, but a risk they're clearly willing to take. David Gergen, I mean, I seem to recall uh, an awful lot of Democrats putting an awful lot of faith in the you know, public testimony of Robert Mueller right. uh, as that was going to be sort yes. of the, the dam breaking, uh, you know, for those who believe in such a thing. Ke Kevin McCarthy today argued that Democrats should let voters make the decision at the ballot, bo ba ballot box. He said, follow the principles of our Constitution. Uh, the counterargument is that the impeachment process is expressly laid out by the Constitution. <clears throat> well, it's true, but I, I, I think it's well understood now there's going to be very, very high likelihood there will be a pro-impeachment vote coming out of majority in the House, but then it will be be defeated in the Senate. There will be an acquittal, just as there happened under, under when Bill Clinton was impeached. Uh, and the argument we made, but this is not really where it'll be settled. It'll be settled at the ballot box, however this comes out. But I think that's what we're pointing toward. And at this moment, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump uh, still is a very formidable candidate still. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. Hold the, uh, just we're going to take a quick uh, pause. I want to quickly bring in CNN's Jim Acosta at the White House with some late reporting on how they see the vote today uh, and the testimony. Yeah. Jim, what's the reaction you're getting? Yeah, Anderson, I talked to a source familiar with the meeting that the president had earlier today with these Republican senators over here at the White House. You know, the president and White House aides, they've been reaching out to these Republican senators concerned about these news reports uh, that perhaps the Senate won't play out uh, the same way that it played out in the House. And according to this source uh, familiar with what happened in this meeting, the president was very pleased, as your uh, esteemed guests were just talking about a few moments ago, that no Republicans broke ranks with the president in the House. The president was very pleased by that, and he was also continuing to hang his hat on the uh, released transcript, uh, not the complete transcript, a summary transcript of his phone call with the leader of Ukraine uh, as, as if it's somehow ex exonerating for him. One other big takeaway, Anderson, uh, from this meeting earlier today, there is a growing sense, uh, I guess, among Senate Republicans uh, that perhaps they will stay home. They will stay loyal to this president 
uh, once the process gets out of the House and makes its way over to the Senate for a trial. Uh, I talked to a source uh, familiar with what happened in this meeting today who said if, if this person were a betting man, he would say that the only person who would uh, break from the president at this point is Mitt Romney. Now, I did talk to another Republican official up on Capitol Hill, high-ranking Republican official up on Capitol Hill, Anderson, who said, hang on, it's way too early for that. They haven't even seen the articles of impeachment at this point. But there is a growing confidence that these Republicans, like what we saw in the House, will stay loyal to the president over in the Senate. And, and uh, Tim Morrison, uh, former you know, national uh, NSC official at the White House, just wrapped up his testimony. What, do you, what is the White House saying about about that, about what's, I mean, essentially uh, come out. Yeah, my colleagues here and I in, in the White House unit, we've been reaching out to our sources on this, and it sounds at this point that the White House is pretty happy with what uh, Tim Morrison said in his testimony earlier today. While he did essentially agree that what uh, Taylor testified in all of this, Bill Taylor testified in all of this, was accurate, uh, and that there was some kind of quid pro quo. Uh, according to the White House, they feel pretty comfortable in all this because Morrison explained to the lawmakers earlier today uh, that he didn't see this as a legal problem for the president. He saw this as more of a political problem for the president. If it's a political problem, obviously they feel like uh, they can survive all of this. Now, that flies in the face, Anderson. I mean, that is obviously White House spin because it flies in the face of what we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks, which is administration official after administration official testifying and just offering damaging information to these lawmakers. Uh, saying that the president was essentially engaged in a quid pro quo uh, with the president of Ukraine. The question, I think, over the next week, Anderson, is whether or not we see more damaging testimony uh, that matches up with what Alexander Vindman uh, and Bill Taylor said and so on. And it may all come down to, Anderson, uh, what John Bolton has to say. If he indeed testifies, that could be the Super Bowl in all of this, Anderson. Uh, Jim Costa, thanks very much. Back now with David Axelrod, Gloria Borger, David Gergen. Uh, Gloria, I mean, the idea of it all coming down to uh, Bolton, yeah. uh, I mean, that's an incredible roll of the dice. I don't know that anybody really has any idea of uh, his perspective. I mean, I know there was that story that he said, you know, compared something uh, that he was hearing from Sunland and others as a drug deal. A but, drug deal. Uh, you know, what he actually testifies to, it's kind of amazing that it would come, could possibly come down to that. Yeah, I, I think so. Look, it's very clear from the testimony we've seen that Bolton was completely unhappy with what was going on vis-a-vis -vis Ukraine. He referred to it as a drug deal. He thought that it was a rogue policy that was being directed by Rudy Giuliani. And he referred to Giuliani and Mick Mulvaney when he was talking about that drug deal. The question that I have is, how are they going to get him up there and in what venue? Um, you know, his attorney is also the attorney, uh, attorney representing somebody else who wants it to go to court first to see if he can if he can testify. It seems to me they're going to subpoena him the same way they've subpoenaed everyone else. Would he just say, you know, I'm, I'm going to fight this. I'll only testify behind closed doors, but not in public. He has a real story to tell here. He was not on the phone call, but he can tell you a lot about this policy and what upset him about it and whether he thought it was rogue and improper for a president to be conducting foreign policy this way. Trump can always say, well, you know, I fired him. He's he's disgruntled. But he is a conservative and a hero to conservatives in many ways. So I agree with Jim. He is completely key in all of this. I'm just not sure whether we're going to hear him. David Gergen, well, what do you think? <clears throat> well, my bet is that he will be more protective of the president than the Democrats would like. 
but it'll be very severe with Rudy Giuliani. It's clear he detests Giuliani and what he stood for. But if he does exactly what Marson said, well, I didn't think, you know, I thought it was inappropriate and wrong, but I didn't think it was illegal. That does take some of the force out of it. Um, and, but by the way, Marson is not a lawyer, and he's not being asked to give his views on the law here. He's asked me, asked, was there a quid pro quo? And I think he made it very clear today from his perspective there was a quid pro quo. If I can add just one other point, Anson, about where we are in this impeachment stuff. There was a very disturbing uh, story out today about uh, what's happening in the, in the Republican Senate with their candidates who are in very close races and whether the president is shoving money in their direction um, at the very time the White House would really like to have their loyalty. David Axrod, I mean, this formalizing this inquiry means public hearings can now happen, which is obviously something Republicans had said they wanted for some time. Um, yeah. Do you... Do you believe that that this is what they wanted for for some time? Well, look, no, I think they 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 wanted it until they got it. Now they have it. I don't think they're that keen on it. Uh, They wanted to and they wanted to, uh, uh, you know, they wanted to suggest that the process was unfair because it was behind closed doors. Now it's not going to be behind closed doors. They're unhappy about that. But let me make a a larger point that ties some of all this together. And Gloria kind of referenced this before. Ninety percent of Republicans approve of this president. Uh, Republicans are terrified about uh, the base and how he impacts on the base. John Bolton, uh, you know, there is no doubt that John Bolton went to the president. He was a national security advisor and said, why are we holding up military aid to Ukraine? It is impossible to believe that he didn't ask him that question. Uh, and uh, but I don't think he's going to want to look like the e- guy who is eager to tell this story. So if he ever testifies, he's going to have to get dragged there uh, so that 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 the base of the Republican Party doesn't think that he's gone rogue on them yeah. uh, and betrayed the president. Yeah. David Axelrod, Gloria Borgia, David Gergen. Thanks. Coming up next, one of the Democratic lawmakers who heard Tim Morrison's testimony today. What he expects to see in here is proceedings go public. And later, uh, the man who says he has yet to see any intensity, his words in defense of the president, Steve Bannon, on the war room, he says he is building and why he believes this president deserves defending. Today's closed door session with Tim Morrison, the outgoing National Security Council official, is another part of what appears to be a brick by brick collection of testimony that House Democrats hope will build a solid wall of evidence against President Trump. I want to get some perspective from Jeffrey Tubin, former federal prosecutor and CNN's chief legal analyst, and Preet Bharara, who served as U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York and is a senior, a CNN senior legal analyst and author of the book Doing Justice, a prosecutor's thoughts on crime, punishment and the rule of law. Uh, Jeff, Tim Morrison saying he didn't see any legal problem uh, with the president's July 25th phone call. White House obviously sees that as a as a win. Right. I mean, that, that is that and that is a good fact for them. Remember, though, he's not there as a lawyer evaluating what's legal, what's appropriate, what's a high crime and misdemeanor. He's there to talk about what happened. He's a fact witness. And as far as his facts went, as far as I can tell, based on what's been disclosed, he has ratified, confirmed what the other witnesses have said, that there was this quid pro quo engineered by Rudy Giuliani. That aid, out, that aid was being held up in order to affect uh, an investigation. Which is, Biden's. in the view of many people, including, it seems, Republicans in the Senate, wildly improper and, if not, impeachable. Although, how many Republicans in the Senate are really saying that? Well, I mean, they, they have none of them have said 
as the president has said, that phone call was perfect. I haven't heard one. Now, you know, Mitt Romney is the only one who's went out and said it's actually improper, but you have not heard great endorsements of it. Uh, Preet, I mean, the, the, the White House is already saying that the testimony was good development. Uh, I mean, do you see any illegality in, in that phone call? Illegality? Yeah. Yeah. Look, depending on what the other evidence shows with respect to there being a quid pro quo, that could amount to extortion, like a lot of the other witnesses have said, yeah, it may amount to criminality. But the important thing to remember here that I think we've forgotten the last couple of years is the president is not going to be charged with a crime. What matters now is impeachment. And there's no document uh, in, in, in the sort of uh, curriculum of the founders or in the Constitution that, that makes it necessary for something to be a technical violation of a criminal statute. It can be an abuse of power because only the president can abuse his power in a way that you and I could not possibly. Only the president can call a leader of another country and ask him to do something for the president's own personal aggrandizement. So, you know, whether or not it's illegal, what matters here, because it's a political process and always has been, is whether or not a sufficient number of members of Congress think he abused his power by asking, and, and not just asking, but putting the arm on a foreign leader to help him politically with respect to an investigation of a rival. But, Jeff, I mean... Uh Supporters of the president can, in the end, in the Senate, when it gets down to there, essentially say, look, I wish he hadn't, you know, I thought it was not a good thing for him to do. I, I wouldn't have done it myself, but I don't think it's illegal and I don't think it rises to the to the level of impeachment. Well, and, and you know, impeachment is above all a political process. And these senators, if it comes to a trial in the Senate, will make an evaluation of the evidence, but they will also look at their own political situation. And they will. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, and as we all know, the, the, the president remains enormously popular within the Republican Party. These Republican senators, they don't want to offend the president, court a primary uh, in, in their uh, in their own elections. So, you know, it's entirely possible that they will say, look, I wouldn't have handled it this way, but it is not something we're going to overturn an election over. However, you know, the country has to decide whether this is an abuse of power, whether it is acceptable to go to a foreign leader as president and say, you know, help me f on my political campaign or you'll lose money appropriated by Congress. That's that's the core of this question. But I don't think there's any clear, necessarily clear answer of how it's going to turn out at this point. But it's, it's very hard for senators to do this thing that is a rational, reasonable way to defend the president, to say, you know what, it was inappropriate, shouldn't have been done, it's not the way we should be conducting foreign policy, and this weird thing with Rudy Giuliani doing the shadow thing was terrible, but you know what, it doesn't rise to the level of impeachment. I haven't heard a lot of people saying that either, you know why? Because the President of the United States keeps insisting that the phone call was beautiful and perfect and has signaled very clearly that he wants everyone to be saying the same thing as he is. So he's not giving a lot of wiggle room to these senators to sort of thread the needle and say, not great, not good. Like, by the way, a lot of members of Congress did that with respect to Bill Clinton. They said the relationship he had was not good. The way he spoke about it and lied about it was not good. But are we really going to derail a presidency over something like this? That's more credible and I think has more ability to shape public sentiment. But this president insists that everything he did was perfect and beautiful. And that's what everyone else should say, too. And that's a problem, I think, for folks. Jeff, just these other uh, federal court hearings today. One was about uh, former White House counsel uh, Don McGahn, whether he has to testify. And the other was about this former deputy uh, national security advisor, Charles Kupperman, who's refusing to uh, to testify. Uh, I mean, let, let's talk about this Kupperman hearing and let's just talk about federal judges. I mean, 
this just makes me insane. I admire the federal judiciary a great deal. But here we have an impeachment, perhaps the most important thing that a that the Congress can deal with. We have an important witness, Charles Kupperman, the deputy national security advisor, also represented by Charles Cooper, who represents John Bolton, an even more important witness. And the question is, and it's not a simple question, should they be forced to testify? And what does Judge Richard Leon do in, in the federal district court? He says, I'm not even going to hold a hearing until December 10th. Like, get off his behind and decide this case. The idea that he's not even going to hold a hearing for six weeks, it's well, a why, disgrace. Why, what's the reasoning behind it? Got me. I mean, I think it's just disgraceful. I mean, these federal judges, they serve for life and they think they can decide everything on their own terms and their own timetable. And I think it's awful. Uh, there are other judges who have been deciding things more quickly. This is a, this is not one of those cases. Right. Uh, Pre-pro, Jeff Tubin, thanks very much. Coming up, uh, I'm going to talk with President Trump's former chief strategist, Steve Bannon, about the 2020 election, his advice to the president and his allies about the looming impeachment fight. The White House has still not hired any communications professionals to spearhead their impeachment response, nor have they brought on any new lawyers to front the legal strategy. CNN reports that uh, some aides inside the administration view this as a serious error. The White House is ramping up its outreach to Senate Republicans. Today, as we reported earlier in the program, several had lunch with President Trump. One senator said that the subject of, of needing Republicans to better defend him did not come up. This comes after Majority Leader Mitch McConnell advised the president to stop attacking Senate Republicans. One of the president's staunchest supporters is his former chief White House strategist, Steve Bannon. Even though he left the administration, he's now begun a daily syndicated radio and podcast program called War Room Impeachment, which gives you an idea of the kind of political combat he expects and is participating in right now. He joins us now. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, the, first of all, what do you make of the White House's strategy thus far? Look, I think it, it has a strategy. President Trump believes he did do anything wrong. He's adamant about that. I think he's busy running the country. Remember, he's got USMCA, the Chinese, uh, what's happening in Syria. He's got a day job. I think he feels, uh, you know, he's got the team. He's, I think he's a solid team. It's a good team. And you think, I think he's he feels, not focused on this? You think he's running? I, mean, I think he's focused, He seems I, very focused on this he, in the Twitter world. I think he's focused on this the way he focuses on it. He didn't feel he needed a war room. He doesn't feel he needs additional personnel right now. I think that's fine. I think but it's doesn't it? I think it's incumbent upon people. That's why we started this outside war room with one of the people was Jason Miller, who's, you know, a former CNN contributor, right. was our communications director on the campaign and the transition. Other people are starting to volunteer and come in. We've got Reince Priebus on our show tomorrow, former head of the RNC. Uh, we're going to have Bossy and Corey come on and, 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 and do hits on this. Uh, I think it's incumbent, I think, for people that support President Trump's program and President Trump to gather around and do this. The campaign's doing things, the RNC's doing things. I do think you, he's got enough cover. Do you believe that phone conversation with the Ukrainian president was perfect? Here's the, the bid and the ask is he says it's perfect and Morrison says it could have been better. Is it, it's either perfect or could have been better. You know, it's slightly well, was other Morrison. Pe- other people well, say I know, but I'm I saying Morrison, Morrison. High, totally inappropriate. I know, but Morrison, Morrison is Fiona Hill's relief. Look, I, I right. looked at the Fiona Hill, though, does not. I looked at I looked numbers. at I, and reasonable people can disagree because this is a policy. To me, this is a policy difference. I think when you look at what President Trump's, I, I haven't seen anything in the transcript. I haven't seen anything in the drive. I looked at Mike Pompeo's speech today. I haven't seen anything he's done that I think is wrong or inappropriate. So just and in, I think in, the, ge- in general, is it OK for a president, any president, to ask a foreign leader of a country fighting uh, a war against our adversaries in need of aid to do a political favor and investigate a, his is, political this, opponent this, this is where your premise, and hold this, aid This over. is where your premise is wrong. Number one. 
the, the, one of the things that started this was Secret Empires, the book that Peter Schweitzer did that went after the permanent political class. This is where Biden and, and Mitch McConnell and others, they were talking about, you know, where they get their money from. And Biden and okay, both China, okay? and China, hold on, China and Ukraine. And, and the issues were when he was vice president. I don't buy the assumption. So you have this premise that it's about a political opponent. What he's what they're investigating is the corruption. Oh, overall. Come on. Give me no. a break. You're a smart guy. You no. know uh, very well that that's his goal. It's not. It is. No, it's a, wait, as a constitutional so the, right. officer. If you're okay. Concerned number about, one, number one, number one, number one. If you're should, concerned, Joe about, Biden should be more, uh, Anderson should be more investigated, I think, about China and what okay. he did at the time in China with his son, okay. how, how he well, got the Well, the president dollars. agrees with you and well, has asked China to investigate. Well, hold it. And the, but, but hold no, it. But, and the but, islands in the, in the yeah, South I, I, China I, I, Sea. Okay. Let me, let, uh, but the, on the so question. I don't buy your premise. Okay. The, and I'm, the, not, I'm, not, I'm not putting you on. I'm not kidding. No, I, okay. I don't buy the premise. But, but how can you say, if he's, if you're concerned about corruption, you're concerned about corruption in Ukraine. Ukraine, I've been there. There's a lot of corruption. The only example of corruption in Ukraine the president can state is no, Joe Biden, no, the guy no, he happens no, to be no, running when, against, no, and this conspiracy no. theory ta- about CrowdStrike. He talked about the 2016 campaign. Right, he also talked about theory remember, about remember, CrowdStrike and what, the server what, what, being in what, Ukraine. What Pompeo talked about today, that nothing that the president has done okay. is outside. Is outside you haven't addressed, though, what I just said, which is... He's talking He's, about a conspiracy theory Ukraine, and Joe Biden. That's conspiracy. Ernst and Young says that Ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries right. in the yes, world. Yes, hold, hold but the you're Guardian, telling me the that Guardian, Joe Biden on, and CrowdStrike, that's corruption in Ukraine? Hey, Wait, the president has access to U.S. intelligence. We have no earthy idea, and that's what this process is. We do actually have a lot of earthy idea about who's corrupt in Ukraine. No, no, And because we actually have diplomats who've been working on it because that's been U.S. policy, and the president cannot name any other Ukrainian official who's corrupt who he wants well, investigated? Hold it, this, the, hold it, the only one he can what, name is what, Joe Biden? That's what, that's what this process is starting now. You've, you know, now we're going to have an impeachment process. Wait, the, we're going to have a impeachment process, and you're not going to have a star chamber right. down in the that skip. Doesn't make any I, sense. Was there, I was there for 20 hours, right. okay? The president the, has access to, we have corruption fighters in the Treasury Department. He could have called up Steve Mnuchin and said, you know what, give me a list of the most corrupt players in Ukraine. I'll talk to the president about it. He didn't. The only thing he cites as see, a fake First off, first off, first off, Biden. You've seen a select curated group of, 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 of witnesses, and you haven't seen the transcripts. We don't know what they said. Well, we, that, we've hold, seen the transcript hold, 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 of I mean, their the, opening statements. No, we've seen the transcript of the president's phone call, and it yeah. says the favor for us, the favor is servers and another one, We're going to get to see in this process, you're going to get to see all the information. I, all okay, later, I, all let me tell you honestly what I believe. I think I, you are an incredibly smart guy. I think you Thanks believe. Well, no, I, I'm not saying that. Right, as right. I, and, and, and I respect your positions. But I think you believe you got to circle the wagons. Just like a, after the Access Hollywood tape, you're either with us you're or so against cynical. us. So no, cynical. I'm not. I think you're you so got cynical. S- but it's he, not. No, because here's the thing. I, I think you're no, going to overlook. This is, this you know what? This so is, he lies. No, so this, he's, no, no, this, he's this, doing good things Anderson, in your mind, Anderson, and you support him. Anderson. Why can't people argue that? That I understand. Anderson. But I, I am arguing the fact that, that I don't think he's done anything wrong here. I think this is a huge opportunity cost for the country. Okay. Now we're going to spend okay. the next 12 weeks, instead of focus on Hong Kong, instead of focus on Listen, U.S. I, I, that's a valid US, argument. I totally this, this is going to engulf, you know, your show, this whole network is going to be overwhelmed in a firestorm covering this between now and the end of when they impeach him and they're going to impeach him. They're going to bring two charges. OK. And then when we go to trial, it's going to consume that is going to consume much of the political right. world to, to the to the to hurting the United States. 
okay, which could be doing other things right now. And all okay. I'm saying is that the, the I've set up a war room so that we can get the information right. and people can weigh measure. We're going right. to have Democrats so, on so, there. De- Democrats is, would argue with you saying, you know what hurts the United States is using taxpayer money as a weapon against an ally who's fighting our enemy uh, and it's not like it's Donald Trump's money saying buying information about the Bidens. Was Joe Biden, was Joe, Biden, was Joe Biden a constitutional officer when China happened and when it happened in Ukraine? Was he not the point man for President Obama in yes, Ukraine, yes, in China? Yes, he should was. that should China and that not be investigated before you give money of, of, I, I, of corruption, of at least American corruption right. in, in, in if, Ukraine? If you helping cite corruption? some specific thing, there's been no evidence. The president hasn't cited any evidence. He's in just China, throwing this China, out. China, well, he's not. China. He's just all he said is, oh, and in China, too. He hasn't cited anything. That, well, there's no that, I'm, sure, I'm sure that will come over time. But in, well, China, uh, in China, we have the facts. Okay. You know, you right. know that you so know me, that the uh, private equity firm of what your son was not an expert in got funded listen, around I, the time of 2013. I'm not defending the, 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 the defending. Uh, no, I think a kid being on a board. I think it I think it's shady. I think it makes no sense. It's shady is corrupt. Well, I don't think Joe, there's this no trading a Joe Biden, Biden benefit in any way. I'm not. Joe, I, no, his son, this is right. where his so son's criticism right. is. If you can give his, me evidence, his, his, give evidence. But, but there's no, no, nobody's given have evidence. Have you read so, Sacred so Empires? Have you I have Peter not. Schreck? No, okay. I have not. Well, we ought to sit okay. down and talk about but, that. I would love to come uh, back and, get, and start giving you, you the evidence. You do not agree the, uh, the premise of my question. So let me just give you, just in general. And it's not circling okay, the wagons. No, no, it's not circling okay, the wagons. Uh, okay. This is, I think, but this in general, for the good of the country. If a president, if a president does, in fact, have a quid pro quo for a, a counterpart in a country that's badly in need of aid and is fighting a war and says, no, just I'm not no. asking about Trump. I'm just saying, is it no, OK no, no. for first, a president of the United off, States there, to there, ask a foreign president there's to investigate no a political evidence, rival? There's no evidence at all that okay. there's a quid pro I'm quo just, here. Uh, okay, OK, I'm not saying. And if there was a quid pro quo. Right. So on you won't you won't answer just a hypothetical of is it OK for a president, any president, no, but I think to a lot, ask a foreign president to investigate a political rival? I think Andy McCarthy and other constitutional scholars are coming out now okay. and saying and saying this whole concept of not even having not not making your foreign aid or your military assistance contingent upon well, some I don't understand why Republicans wrong. will not ever answer that question that I just asked you like okay any president asking another president investigate my rival and I'll give you aid is that okay? It's not a rival. He's a constitutional officer at the time. That's what it, the, that's what that's okay. what so that's okay. American so you're, no, you American, have no problem. No, American involvement okay. and corruption in either China, Ukraine, or any in the, anywhere in the world should be investigated. All right. Still and I'd it. love to come back here and, and, okay. and walk you through the evidence on China and the Ukraine. All right. Well, I, nobody's presented real evidence. Steve Bannon, I appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate thanks, you thanks, thanks. Thanks. I really do. Uh, up next, we premiere a spinoff uh, of the Ridiculous franchise. We'll be right back. Another slow news day. I want to check with Chris, see what he's tried to find to do something to fill an hour with. Chris? I liked listening to your interview with Steve Bannon. No one will answer that question. I mean, you, you do this as well. I mean, you do this better than anyone. No one asks, will just say, is it okay? It's but- not okay. They know it's okay. And what we're going to try to do tonight is tro- show people that... Unlike Bannon, Bannon's here to spin, and you did a beautiful job of exposing the weaknesses in the spin. But we will show that the president knows it was wrong. And you can tell, not because I'm inside the mind of the man, that's too spooky even for Halloween, but you see it in his actions. We also have Adam Schiff here to talk about the reality of what has been fair in impeachments past, what he thinks the likelihood of how this ends 
and his take on the Republican arguments of what's wrong with the process. So we'll lay it out with his side. I also have one of the the acolytes of Bannon on the show tonight, Kelly Armstrong, one of the president's defenders in Congress, uh, to ask the same question we ask every night. Is it okay to ask a foreign power to help you in an election? Now, they'll say he didn't do that. Not only did he do it, he inserted his own lawyer into the diplomatic process without any portfolio to do only that. And we know it because Mr. Giuliani admitted it, screaming and blowing. It wasn't one phone call. This was a lengthy campaign. Anyway, uh, Chris, we'll be watching four minutes from now. Well done, brother. Happy Uh, Halloween to you, too. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. on Hunter Biden. It's the ridiculous without comment. Chris and I were yammering. We ran out of time for the ridiculous. So the news continues. Let's hand it over to Chris for Cuomo Primetime. Chris. 